0: The National Assembly by Rosa Luxemburg 24th November 1918 A unanimous call for the National Assembly and an equally unanimous cry of fear at the fault of power in the hands of the working class. This is what can be heard from the newspapers Deutsche Zeitung, the Vossische and Vorrats through to the independent Freiheit, and from Reventlow, Erzberger and Scheidemann, through to Hasse and Kautsky. The entire people, the entire nation, is to be called upon to determine, by way of a majority decision, the further destinies of the revolution. As far as the open and disguised agents of the ruling classes are concerned, this slogan is a matter of course but we will not enter into discussions with the guardians of capitalist wealth, neither in the National Assembly nor in relation to the National Assembly. But in this decisive question, even independent leaders are at one with the guardians of capital. As explained by Hilferding in the pages of Freiheit, this is how they want to spare the revolution from the use of violence, and from civil war and all its horrors. Petty bourgeois illusions. They conceive the course of the most powerful social revolution in the history of humanity as one in which various social classes come together, take part in a pleasant, relaxed, and dignified discussion with one another, and then hold a vote, perhaps one still involving some famous parliamentary conventions. When the capitalist class then becomes aware that it is in a minority, it will ruefully declare, being a well-disciplined parliamentary party, that there is nothing to be done. We can see that we have been outvoted. So be it. We bow down before this fact and hand over all our estates, factories and mines all our fireproof money coffers and handsome profits to the workers. Truly, the species of Lamartine, Garnier, Paget and Ledru-Ronan, French reformist politicians, the species of petty bourgeois illusionists and chatterers of the year 1848 are not extinct. They have re-emerged without glory or talent and without the attraction of being something new in the boring, pedantic, academic German version of Kautsky, Hilferding and Hasser these profound Marxists have forgotten the ABC of socialism. They have forgotten that the bourgeoisie is not a parliamentary party, but a ruling class, which is in possession of all the means of economic and social power. These gentlemen Junkers and capitalists are calm only as long as the revolutionary government makes do with sticking small cosmetic plasters over capitalist wage relations. They are well behaved, only as long as the revolution is well behaved, as long as the vital nerve, the artery of bourgeois class rule, capitalist private property, the wage relation and profit remain untouched. Once profit is attacked, once the days of private property are numbered, then that easygoing attitude is no more. Once socialism becomes a serious force, the current ideal in which wolves and sheep and tigers and lambs graze peacefully alongside one another, just as they did in Noah's Ark, will not last a minute longer. As soon as the much-vaunted National Assembly really decides to implement socialism in all respects and to eliminate every trace of the rule of capital then the struggle gets underway as well. If the bourgeoisie is delivered a blow to its heart, and its heart is to be found in its money coffers, it will struggle to save its rule as a matter of life and death. It will unleash a thousand open and concealed forms of resistance against the socialist measures. All of that is unavoidable. All of that must be fought through, repelled and crushed with or without the National Assembly. The civil war, which the fearful wish to banish from the revolution, cannot be banished. This is because civil war is just another name for class struggle. And to think that socialism can be achieved without class struggle, that it can be achieved by way of a majority vote in Parliament, is a laughable, petty-bourgeois illusion. So what is to be achieved from this cowardly detour of the National Assembly? The position of the bourgeoisie is strengthened. The proletariat is weakened and confused by empty illusions. And time and energy are lost and squandered in discussions between wolves and lambs. In short, assistance is provided to all those elements whose purpose and intention are to deprive the proletarian revolution of its socialist goals, to emasculate that revolution, and to reduce it to a bourgeois democratic revolution. But the question of the National Assembly is not a question of whether or not to exploit an opportunity, nor is it a question of what is more convenient. It is a question of principle. A question of the socialist understanding per se of the revolution. In the great French Revolution, the first decisive step was undertaken in July of 1789, when the separate estates came together in a single national assembly. This decision impacted on the entire subsequent course of events. It was the symbol of the victory of a new bourgeois social order over the medieval feudal society of estates. In the same way, the new socialist order of society, which is to be achieved by the current proletarian revolution, and the class character of its actual tasks are symbolised by the class character of the political institution, which is to carry out those tasks, the workers' parliament the representative body of the urban and rural proletariat. The National Assembly is an outdated legacy of bourgeois revolutions, an empty shell lacking in content, a supposed requirement left over from the times of petty bourgeois illusions in a united people and in the liberty, equality and fraternity of the bourgeois state. Today, Whoever raises the call for a National Assembly is consciously or unconsciously turning the revolution back to the historical stage of bourgeois revolutions. He is either a covert agent of the bourgeoisie or an unconscious ideologue of the petty bourgeoisie. The struggle for the National Assembly has been conducted under the slogan of democracy or dictatorship. The socialist leaders obediently adopt even this slogan of counter-revolutionary demagogy without noticing that this either-or is a demagogic falsehood. Today, it is not a question of democracy or dictatorship. The question which history has placed on the agenda is bourgeois democracy or socialist democracy? Because dictatorship of the proletariat is democracy in a socialist sense. Dictatorship of the proletariat is not a matter of bombs, putches, riots and anarchy, as the agents of capitalist profit consciously misrepresent it. It is the use of all the means of political power to achieve socialism and to expropriate the capitalist class, in the interest of, and by the will of, the revolutionary majority of the proletariat. That is to say... In the spirit of socialist democracy, without the conscious will and the conscious deed of the majority of the proletariat, no socialism. In order to sharpen this consciousness, steal this will, organise this deed, what is needed is a class institution, the National Parliament of the Urban and Rural Proletariat. The convocation of such a representative body of the working class in place of the traditional National Assembly of bourgeois revolutions is in itself already an act of class struggle, a break with the historical past of bourgeois society, a powerful means to arouse the proletarian masses, and a first open, blunt declaration of war on capitalism. No excuses, no ambiguities... The dice must be cast. Parliamentary cretinism was a weakness yesterday; it is an ambiguity today, and tomorrow, it will be a betrayal of socialism. Original, De Nationale Versamlung. De Rotterdamer, Number no. Five, twentieth of November, nineteen eighteen. Translation, Stan Crook.